What's our emotion of, of the, the week? Emotion of the week. Emotion of the week. Welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, where deeper conversations are something highly sought after and rarely explored. And I have with me, as always, my inquisitive co-host, Alyssa. Hi, sunflowers. How are you? I am good. I'm tired. I've had caffeine, and it's going right to my brain cells because I did not have any food this morning. So this is going to be an interesting episode. (laughs) How are you? (laughs) I'm fantastic. I went... I took a page out of your book. I went hiking yesterday. I saw that. If anybody follows us on Instagram, she posted about it. Yes. How did you feel afterwards? It felt so good. I was definitely sweaty, but I just... So, behind the scenes, I was supposed to go to an amusement park with my friends, but they ended up canceling, and so I was like, oh, I really want to go, but, like, do I want to take that trip today? Plus, um, my partner and I had plans. And so I was like, okay, well, what can I do instead? I wanted to get myself out and not feel so disappointed about not going. Yeah. And so I was like, it's so beautiful outside. Like, it was a perfect, like, 75-degree day. No humidity. Like, it was perfect. There was a perfect breeze. Yes. And so I was like, let me just look up some nature trails. And lo and behold, there's one five minutes from my house. I believe it. And I freaking show up. There was nobody there. I walked around. Everybody's at their pool parties. I entered the the path, and two hours later, I exited the woods. It was so nice, so serene. I just I kept making a bunch of loops. It was actually a lot easier than I thought it was going to be. It was a shorter distance, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize it was going to be that short. I'm thinking I'm going to be here for a few hours, so I just, like, got lost. I just literally was, like, taking, I was like, we're going to go the green path, and then the yellow path, and the blue path, and oh, there's the red path. I haven't been there. I was... The whole time I was looking for this twisted tree, I couldn't find it. I was like, where is it? I'm, like, circling, like, looking around, like, where is this thing? So I'm going to have to go back. So you find the twisted tree. Yes. I was thinking fall foliage, too, mm. like, how beautiful it would look. I've noticed that while I was, like, in a parking lot. I was like, oh, my God, there's leaves on the ground. Fall is coming. Yeah, there was a couple, like, orange random leaves on the ground, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this must be so pretty during the fall. I'm going to have to come back. But I tracked my path. I downloaded an app. I packed my hiking bag. Is it the all trails? Yes, it is all trails. That's my favorite app. That's where I find all of my, like, go-to hiking spots. Yeah, I got it from Google originally, but I wanted something that was going to, like, keep me on the path in case I got lost. And so I trekked out, and it was such a good time. Good. I did not encounter one person this entire time. That's the best. I was like, this is so nice. I need to do this more. And hence, I posted on our Instagram story, and I was just like, it's like time to get back to nature. Like, it's just so, it does the body good, the serenity, the peace of it all. I just, like, need to do this more. Mm Mm-hmm. So it was a great time yesterday. Good. You seem just like, like breath of fresh air to like today when I walked in and I was like, that's from being a nature bitch. <laughs> it totally is. And like I said, I do tend to neglect it. Like I love being outside, but sometimes I just don't take that time to just spend a little bit of time with nature. And I was like, 
this needs to be on my list. I need to send myself into nature, even if it's just, like, once a month. Mm-hmm. I was, like, because I felt damn good. I came home, I was sweaty, and I took a shower, and I was, like, ah, this is great. Mm-hmm. It puts you in, like, a whole different mindset. And, like, have you seen the, like, maybe that's what we do for this week's reel? They have, like, a thing that was, like, what do they put in these, uh, here, woods? <laughs> and it's, it's, like, a sound, and then it's, like, people just, like, hiking or, like, just being outside and, like... I think it's so funny, and it's because it's, like, it's so true how good, like, nature really is for you. Like, yeah, and just it, the refresh. The trail wasn't even, like, crazy. Like, it wasn't, I wasn't filled with, like, a lot of wildlife. It wasn't, like, super pretty flowers or anything. Like, I was just out there, like, breathing the fresh air, hearing the birds chirp, the bugs sounds, like... It's just, like, the little things. I took pictures of, like, little leaves or, like, I was like, oh, that looks like a fun shape. That's a cool tree. Mm-hmm. Look at that notch over there. There's a hole. I wonder what goes in there. I watched some squirrels have a, a little tussle <laughs> down the tree, like, and I was just having a good time. I found a tree with a bunch of initials on it. That's cool. And I was like, this is just, like, my kind of place. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be, but it is. It's my kind of place. Yeah. The, the one thing I found weird, though, was... So it was a very easy. It's like a park. Yeah. And then you can enter into the wood part of the trails. Yeah. There were so many openings, so I couldn't get lost. But the amount of openings that led to the ballpark that was right next door to that, I was like, I'm getting a weird vibe. Like, who's just lurking in the wood? Can people just lurk in the woods right now? <laughs> just watch well, I was like, I, I know for myself as like a kid being at ballparks and hanging out between games, we used to take off in the woods. Like, our whole teams would just like take off into the woods to just like go run around because we had nothing else better to do. Like, we would. And, like, so, like, that's why I'm, like, it is a little weird, but also, like, it's probably mostly the children and, like, families that are, like, sending their kids to play. I'm sure it's all wholesome, but, like, my brain, who's seen way too many movies, including, like, The Lovely Bones, like, I can just imagine someone, some kids playing in the park and, uh, like, baseball field and, like, somebody's lurking on the sidelines, just, like, ominous, and I'm just, like... The hat with like with like the sunglasses and like the dark black hoodie and he jeans. disappears into the yeah. night and you follow him for some reason. Don't ever follow creepy people into the woods, guys. Like number one, number one rule: stranger danger. Yeah, huge stranger danger. So speaking of dark and like creepy. What's our emotion of, of the, the week? Emotion of the week. Emotion, emotion of the week. Okay, uh, throw right. it at me. What is it? We are going to do fearful. Ooh, all right. What's the definition? So it means to cause fear, frightening, feeling fear, dread, apprehension, or solitude. Mm, we learned a new word this week. Solitude. Solitude. All right, so, okay. Did, did they give you a sentence, or do you do we want to use it in a sentence? But I would say something like, "I feel fearful when you jump scare me in the middle of the night Ooh. by popping up in bed." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Yeah, don't I did love that, that this morning. I was like, "Ah, late!" <laughs> and in fact, she was not actually late. Nope, late for nothing. Late for nothing. Um, it's better than being late for your own funeral. Speaking of dark and creepy things, our topic of the week, I came up with this on a really crazy, weird day. (laughs) I was was watching a TV show, and they mentioned this nursery rhyme that I remember, and it was like, 
um, it's called the kissing, like, rhyme. It's first comes love, then, then comes, comes marriage, marriage then, then comes, comes X and Y and a baby carriage. carriage. Yeah. And I was, like, just thinking about it, and I was like, I wonder what that actually means. Like, how many nursery rhymes do we hear, like, as a kid and have no idea what they actually meant? Yeah. And it got me thinking because I remember as I was getting older after childhood, I'd like ring around the rosy. Oh my god, we learned that. I learned that one in like middle school. Same. Like, they and were it like, was like a, a dark story behind it. It was about like a plague. It was and about how people yeah. were dying off. And I was like, what other nursery rhymes actually have those like weird, darker, hidden meanings? Yeah. So I asked Jocelyn if we could do this on an episode, and we decided to split three um for both of us yeah and we don't we didn't see each other's notes nope so we are going to discuss six nursery rhymes that have hidden or dark meanings yeah do you want to go first or do you want me to go first um i think you can go first okay because i'm curious about yours okay i had just this lovely quote that i found while i was reading um, by Seth Lehrer, Dean of Arts and Humanities at University of California. It was, nursery rhymes are part of a long-standing traditions of parodies and a popular political resistance to high culture and royalty. Yes. Which I thought was really interesting because we're, like, singing these to our children when they're going to bed. Yeah. Or, like, in schools. And I was like... Right. So it's a parody or, like, some cultural thing that we just don't even know the meanings of that we're giving to our children. Yeah. And, like, they just think it's, like cute like we think it's cutesy but like the reality is like there's some pretty dark shit behind this like it's very dark like um let's go over which ones we actually picked out first so i did eeny meeny miny mo jack and jill and rockabye baby and, uh, so what were yours i picked humpty dumpty uh three blind mice and rub-a-dub-dub okay so i'm gonna do eeny meeny miny mo first so Eeny, meeny, miny, mo is actually kind of fucked up in oh two different ways. <laughs> lay, um, lay it on me. So it it started, let me see, it started, where did it start? Um, I hate, like, my notes are kind of all over the place. Um, so there's actually several different versions from England, France, Denmark, Germany, and Zimbabwe. Interesting, Zimbabwe. <laughs> right? Well... That one's fucked. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. So, I... Makes me so sad to, like, read some of this. So... Can you give me the nursery rhyme of how it is? Yeah. So, it's eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger by the toe. If he hollers, let him go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Oh, yeah. I remember that one. The tiger toe thing always got me fucked up anyway. That's fucked up. So, what's the actual... So, for the one specifically from, like, Zimbabwe, it... Tiger actually means uh, the racial slur for a black person. And then it was traded out for tiger as time went on. Oh my gosh, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, very fucked up. So it was basically like people would be letting their slaves go and basically be hunting them. And if they holler, let them go. And then you keep hunting them. Very fucked up. That is ridiculous. Very, very dark. Very dark. And I was like, what the f- what? I'm sorry, what? telling our children about this. Or, like, we do it, like, we do it when we pick out, like, 
what like I Alyssa, how many times have we done like, okay, we've got three restaurants, eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a tiger yeah. by the toe, the if he hollers, let him go. Okay, that one's out, and then you do it again until the last one. <laughs> like that that's like it's like so ingrained in us to use it in like a more positive light, which is great. I'm so glad we've gotten here and we don't use it in that way anymore. But it is very, very twisted. Um Zimbabwe, you got a sixth sense of a uh, humor. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, so then like the Dutch version is actually Anne, Mene, Mine, Muke. I'm probably butchering that. Um, but the first line of an ancient heathen priest song in which the chanter supplicates the high priestess for a divine sign about who should live or die. Are we summoning people? Yes, literally. Literally. <laughs> Demonic activity. Right. And like there's and there's even more. There's like from like Ireland and Scotland, there's like different ones as well. Like it is it's really fucking twisted. It's it's like wild to me. And then so in the ancient Celtic rituals, this is the decision on who gets to die as a punishment or perhaps a sacrifice. It's definitely putting horror movies into perspective. When yes. they use that, they're like, mm, pointing at people, who's gonna die? Yeah, like, like isn't that in, like, uh, Saw? Don't they do that in Saw? Like, there's, know. like, I I've, I've never Saw. seen Saw. Like, I've just, like, seen, like, some, like, tidbits. And, like, that's very much, like how it is and what's the last one here so that in the uk and in the u.s between like the 1700s up until the early 1900s it was based around cattle so like herders and farmers and shepherds would use this as like a counting method and then when you get to such a one that's the one that goes to slaughter okay so i'm all, the overall theme is, is death. who gets to live and who, who gets, gets to, to die, die. yes Yes. And we're also partially demonic summoning other things. Yeah. <laughs> the and, high priestess. Yep, is, is, yeah. So, yeah, that's... Well, uh, I won't be using that anytime soon. Right? I'm like, wow, that just totally fucked my idea of, like, okay, babe, we've got, like, three restaurants, eeny, meeny, miny, moe. Now I'm going to be like, no, bitch, just pick one. <laughs> no more eeny, meeny, miny, moe, just pick one. <laughs> I don't use that. I, I don't really use nursery rhymes in my daily life so much, but... Damn, uh, that one is definitely something I will be shying away from. Right. We we do have Kit here with us again today, so if you hear any meows, that's... Feel free um, to chime up, Kit. Meow, meow. Yeah, give us a little little loving for everybody. Um, okay, so do you want to give me one of yours? Yes. Okay, so I have Humpty Dumpty. This one was interesting because it doesn't actually have like a definitive backstory mm, okay so the nursery rhyme is humpty dumpty sat on a wall humpty dumpty had a great fall all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put humpty back together again so this was first recorded in 1797 and was written in 1870 in james El william elliott's book national nursery rhymes and nursery songs Apparently, back in the 17th century, the term Humpty Dumpty referred to a drink made of brandy boiled with ale. Hmm, okay. Um, and it was also a term in the 18th century as a slang word for short and clumsy person. I actually found it really interesting because I, when I was searching this, dictionary um, 
it was Oxford language had the term as like still a word we use today. And it's a fat, rotund person or a person or thing that was once overthrown cannot be restored. Mm. So I was like, oh, so we're still using this. Because I was like, how do we get, how do you find the word Humpty Dumpty and put it together? Like, yeah. I would never use Humpty in a random sentence. No. No. And I'm not going to say Dumpty unless I'm talking like about a dump truck. Like, and I'm talking about a booty. Like,. Even then, I'm probably not going to call it a dumpty. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, that's even rare. Like, I don't think I've ever actually used that, but I feel like that's probably the only way I would use it. Yeah, so it's like a short or clumsy person or a drink. Mm. Originally, they think that they it started as a riddle. Okay. Um, possibly, you know, so while you were drinking your your brandy with the ale, you could sing a riddle, and it's supposed to have an answer, which we think is an egg. Okay. But because it's become so well known now, the egg is kind of built into it. Every time you see Humpty Dumpty, I it's like, always an egg. Yeah, it is. He's got his little clothes on and looks silly. Um, so. But I think that's also, too, because I feel like the mix between brandy and ale causes this, like, egg white, which I literally just learned about last night. It's, like, this milky egg white type look at the bottom of the glass because of the separation of the two types of alcohol. Interesting. Yeah, I I just learned that last night while I was sitting around, like, a giant fire pit of people. They were like, yeah, when I went to Germany, there's, like, literally, there's, like, you know, it looks like there's egg whites at the bottom. And I was like, but it's really just, like, the way that the ale will separate. Huh. Yeah, so. That is interesting. I was just thinking the egg made sense because, right. like, what can fall and not get fixed. Right. <laughs> which is an eggshell. Egg. Yep, absolutely. Uh, so, others have suggested that Humpty Dumpty is actually King Richard III of England, who was depicted as a humpback in several places, Ooh. like a Shakespeare play. Okay. Uh, so overall, it doesn't have a definitive meaning, but it has been used to signify the fall of man, a metaphor for keeping secrets, a canon, which I thought was interesting. I guess hmm. it's because when you go up into the castle and you're able to like get to the top of the wall and shoot the cannon, and you might just fall over the wall type of thing. Oh, Uh, A king, an egg, a vase, a short person, a drink, or an idea. Okay. I kind of, I like the, like, almost the meaning behind, like, the idea and, like, the vase, the egg. Because, like, ideas can break and crack and fall apart once you actually put them into perspective and start using them. The whole idea is going to shift and change and break apart into probably tons of different things than you actually anticipate. Yeah, I think this is one of one of the more wholesome ones. Yeah. Where like it does have a backstory, but it just kind of means not super like dark. once something falls, you can't necessarily put it back together again, which mm. can go for a lot of things. Yes, and span across a, a bunch of different ideas. So probably one of the less dark ones. But I always just thought Humpty Dumpty was depicted really creepily. Like I don't whatever the egg face that they put on Humpty Dumpty always weirded me out. (laughs) I think it's also super interesting that it's supposed to represent, like, the possibility of representing somebody with a humpback. Yeah, I was like... Oh, okay. I mean, I guess, like, the way eggs are shaped, like... I guess. I didn't get that reference. I was like, humpback. I'm thinking humpback whale, and then I'm like, actual hump, like, on your back, and I'm like... So King Richard had a humpback. Um, so that means, and he... that somehow equates to an egg. <laughs> I think it was more along the lines like 
I don't know what King Richard III did personally in his No, reign, I don't remember. But I'm assuming that he he fell off of, out of power and he wasn't able to gain his power again. He right. Did something that fu- he fucked up. And yeah, and, up. and all the people were like, absolutely not. We're not having this. So, all right, what's your next one? Uh, it is Jack and Jill. Um, Ooh, Jack and Jill went up a hill to fetch yeah. a pail of water. So the nursery rhyme is Jack and Jill went up the hill to fetch a pail of water. Jack fell down and broke his crown and Jill came tumbling after. Up Jack got and home did trot as fast as he could caper. Went to bed to mend his head with vinegar and and brown paper. What happened to Jill though? I have never heard the extended version like that. I, thought I haven't heard just, the extended either. I thought he always just fell down and Jill came after. But I, every time someone told me that, I was like, what happened to Jill, though? Was she good? Yeah. So, it... They think that it originated around, like, 1765 in London. Um, and it it's supposed to... I can't... I don't understand it. It was... It was apparently published by John Newberry's Mother Goose's Melody, which, mm-hmm. strangely enough, I have that book Mother from my Goose childhood. Is really popular, yeah. yeah, and the depictions are really creepy. Like I saw a couple images of Mother Goose, which I think are also the ones that made Humpty Dumpty's visual images, and I was yeah. like, creepy. Yeah. So it was. Um, so that version came out in 1870, um, but it was earlier that thought in 1777 was actually around real people Hmm. so the point of it is that jack and jill were a couple they were pregnant jill was pregnant and jack went up the hill to fetch some water fell died and shortly after jill gave birth she too died from heartbreak Oh I got God. all of the worst ones, you bitch. Did. You picked a sad one. <laughs> I did. Um, and then what happened to the boy afterwards was he was taken care of by the town of Kilmer Kilmersdon, Somerset. Um, and um they basically, I guess, eventually like this village where this boy was raised, like a plague was like came about and was dedicated to Jack and Jill because it shortly came after they died. Yeah, I like that, that is, part was also really twisted to me. That's what I was just gonna say. It's like so twisted. Like this poor orphan child just lost his parents and now he has to one hear about him in a nursery rhyme and two gets a plague named after his parents. Like what a great childhood he must have had. Yeah, and he's being taken care of by the town. So like how well is this boy being taken care of? Like, basically, that's kind of what it sounds like. Um, But then there's another story or another theory um, that Jack and Jill might date back to 1510. Oh, that's much earlier. Much earlier. And it refers to the ministers of King Henry VII, um, Dudley and Empson, Empson, yeah, who were executed when... Henry VIII ascended the throne. Um, I guess that would be Jack and Jill, but I don't quite understand. Like, there's no more context around it. That's it. That's, like, that's it. That's all they give for that theory. Very mysterious. Yeah, super mysterious. And then there's a third theory um, that it is actually 
satire towards the tax measures taken by King Charles I on beer, specifically reducing the volume but maintaining the cost in a jack, which is a rather stingy eighth of a pint, and the gill, which is a quarter pint that came tumbling after. Okay, that I kind of get that one. That makes more sense. That, to, that makes more sense to me than the second one. Than than like either of the first two. The the first one is pretty fucked up. The, like seventeen seventy seven. But that one didn't actually happen. Yeah. So that and then, but then it makes sense as to like the second like whole section of that. Up Jack got and home did trot as fast as he could caper. Went to bed to mend his head with vinegar and brown paper. So, like, to me, that says, like, like alcohol alcohol bag bag and, like, vinegar. They always say, like, vinegar, think about pickle shots. They tell you, like, take a shot of pickles in the morning to cure your hangover. Distilled. Yeah. So, like, it that relates more to, like, the King Charles, like, tax satire to me. And I was like, okay, that feels like that mends together. Yeah. Versus the other ones. I'm going to go with that one in my head rather than somebody, two people died and the poor child got a plague named after his parents. Right. I agree. I like that third one a little bit more. So, um, yeah. So, like, I, yeah, I got pretty, like, I got most of, like, the dark and twisted ones. (laughs) Yeah, I can tell. So, let's, uh, hopefully yours is a little more, like. No, not this ah, one. Ah, great. So, we're really sticking with the theme of, like, dark nursery rhymes here. (laughs) Yeah, this one's just as bad. Um, so, I have three blind mice, and I didn't get the current one, but pretty much it's, I'm going to butcher this, by the way. It's three blind mice, three blind mice, Dom Luan, Dom Luan, the miller, and his merry old wife. The scrapped her tripe, lick thou the knife. That's not the current one. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. But it was published in London by Frederick Warren and Co. in an illustrated children's book. Um, by John W. Ivamy, entitled The Complete Version of Ye Three Blind Mice, alongside music in 1609. And it actually refers to Queen Mary I of England, blinding and executing three Protestant bishops. Ooh, okay. Um, They were not actually blinded. They were burned at the stake. Oh, okay. Uh, So... That's very different. The, the actual three blind mice are the Oxford martyrs Ridley, Latimer, and Kramer, accused of plotting against Queen Mary I, daughter of Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, the mice's blindness could refer to their Protestant beliefs. Uh, she was a Catholic queen whose husband was King Philip of Spain and received a bad reputation during her short reign of executing Protestants. I think Queen Mary the First is also the one that Mary Mary Quite Contrary is based off of. Yes. So she was a lovely person. <laughs> but the farmer's wife refers to Mary, and it made its way to children's literature in 1842 by James Orchard Hallowell, as well as a 1904 book by Ivamy. In Ivamy's complete version of *You Three Blind Mice, the mice are described as mischievous characters seeking adventure who are taken in by the farmer whose wife chases them from the house into a bramble bush, which is what blinds them. Mm, I think this is more or less the one that I've heard. Yeah, and then later their tails are removed by the butcher's wife 
The story ends with them using a tonic to grow new tails and recover their eyesight, learning the trade of how to make wood chips, buying a house, and living happily ever after. That's I didn't a, know mice had such an uh, like extensive life. Elaborate life, yeah. I'm good for them. I'm glad they're not blind anymore. Yeah. And how they grew their tails back, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> Magic tonic. <laughs> yep. But I was very disturbed. I was like, oh. Yeah. Okay, so we're burning people at the stake, and we're talking about three blind mice. Yeah. Um, I know Queen Mary had a very tumultuous reign, and it was very short yeah, because she, of that. She's and called she, Bloody Mary. Yeah, for a very good reason, because she was basically trying to, I think, like, avenge her father's, like dethroning or like death essentially i think it was a few things i know yeah. like, with her being catholic that it was a lot about executing protestants yes people that believed in protestant views yeah and so she kind of got that title just yeah a lot of bloodshed yep but i thought it was very interesting and i don't ever listen to or repeat the three blind mice thing because it already made me like i just thought it was a really weird tale anyway yeah but i think that it has such horrible connotations yeah. on top of it. Yep. Agreed. That's a no for me, dog. <laughs> um, all right. We're going to take a short break before we dive into our last two. Um, so we'll be right back. All right. And we are back. Diving back into mysterious, hidden, and dark meanings of nursery rhymes. All right, you want to kick it off with your last one? Yeah. rock a baby All right. Also a weird nursery rhyme. Yeah, so rock a baby on the treetop. When the wind blows, the cradle will rock. When the bough breaks, the cradle will fall, and down will come baby, cradle and all. I just, that already sounds fucked up just I was going to say, it. like, I used to think, I was like, did the baby die? Right, like, like what, what else happens? do you take from that? <laughs> Yeah. Like, it's not Aristocats. It's not where the basket, like, falls through the into the ocean, like, the river, river. bound. Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. Safe. So, there's, like, a couple of different ones that I found. Um, there is the Native American version, which is an origin story of Rock by Baby, claims that the lyrics were based on the written observations of a pilgrim boy who was new to the New World. And what he observed was the Native Americans putting their babies into these, like, homemade cradles on low-lying uh, branches. So as the wind blew, the cradle would, would rock, rock them to sleep, oh. freeing up the, the mothers to do other work okay. around in I the like community. That. That's I nice. like that one. Um, and another one, so there's, like, four, I think, here. Um, then there's the Kenyan family of tree dwellers. Um, this is a story uh, of people who are real life like Kenyan family of Derbyshire, England. Uh, back in the 1700s, Kate and Luke Kenyon and their eight children eight. made their home in a hollowed out yew tree. Which yew trees, if anyone is like into mythology and things like that, yew trees actually have a very like deep meaning to like druids and things like that. So I'm not quite sure what the meaning is, otherwise I would explain it more, but I know it's connected very much to like druids and magic and how important those sort of trees are. Hmm. Um, so this tree was massive, it old and old. It was perhaps as old as two thousand years. Wow. Yeah. And according to the legends, the Kenyans hollowed out one of the branches of the tree and made it into a cradle for their 
their babies. Tucked safely into the tree branch, the child could be lulled to sleep by the movement of the tree in the wind. Apparently, the yew tree still exists in the woods outside Derbyshire, but it was damaged in the 1930s when vandals lit a fire inside it. And there's a picture of it, um, and it is, it, you can tell it looks like it, it was together, and then as it burned, it just, like, fell out. So, oh, yeah. It's, like, split in half? Yeah. Oh, my gosh, it definitely split in half. It's just, like, right down the middle. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, um, and you can almost see, like, right there, where, like, as if that was probably somewhat where the cradle was. So, it, but the family wasn't around or in the tree anymore. No, no, because this story is from the 1700s. The damage happened in the 1930s. But it was kind of, it started with the family. It was yeah. known with the family, family living in it, and yep. then it was vandalized later. Yep. And then one that dates back even further is the story of um, the King James II of England. Uh, he was... Someone who, I guess, created a lot of public un- uh, political unrest at the time, <laughs> which what King back didn't. in the 1680s didn't. Um, what King anytime right? did it. Yeah, exactly. So I guess in this origin story, the ditty was supposedly penned in a British pub during the Glorious Revolution of uh, 1688. The lyrics refer to the new heir to the throne, born to King James II of England, and actually expressed the hope that the infant would, uh, the infant prince would die, so that the reign of King James could be overthrown. How lovely of a person to think like that. Yep, yep. And then the very last one is like the most recent is the Davy Crockett connection. Okay. So you know we all know Davy Crockett, um, and this was written by Effie Crockett, a cousin of his. Um, Effie Crockett. Uh, claimed she wrote the lyrics to the nursery rhyme in 1872 as a way to calm the fussy infant she was babysitting. Although many people doubt her claim, a search of Effie 1 um, from a film can show that it gives credit to her in more than 175 television shows and movies. Yeah, but is it just because no one looked back far enough? They were just like, oh, she was the last one to take case. She, she's That's it. recent. Yeah. And like... Who, if you're gonna come up with a nursery rhyme, I'm sorry, but as a babysitter, I've been a babysitter. Who is going to sing to a child that's trying to fall asleep about a baby falling out of a tree and dying? Right, right. And actually, there is one more tale which I didn't realize. So there's a there's five to this, and this one is from the Mother Goose's Melody Book, which we, I yeah. talked about with my last one in 1765. Um, and although this was the first public reference to the verses, some historians contend that the song was around for more than 200 years before it was actually printed. Um, and it appears that the nursery rhyme serves as a cautionary tale to say that this may serve as a warning to the proud and ambitious who climb so high that they generally fall at last. Okay, I can see that. Yeah, and I can even see that in relative terms to, like, today, people climbing political or social ladders, and eventually that becomes their demise, right? Yeah, I just feel like, why do we gotta bring babies into it? Like, I don't, I mean, I do not disagree, so I'm with you on that one. Anyone who makes up nursery rhymes, they're all kind of fucked up and twisted a little bit. They really are, and, like, the picture, one of the pictures here is, like, definitely from, like, the Mother Goose one. 
Yeah, but they're all creepy. They all, are all, the all creepy. The style is so creepy of Mother Goose. It really is. I agree. So, all right, what is your last one? All right, this is a, a little more lighthearted, <laughs> I feel. <laughs> So I had rubbed You kind of had all of the lighter-hearted ones, and I had all of the really dark, uh, despicable ones. Well, there's just so many other ones. Like, you sent me a list, yeah. and we picked from that. And even even when I looked up other ones, I was finding, like, you know, some of mine and then some other stories. And, like, some are about prostitutes fighting, uh, kings, <laughs> like, falling from thrones. Like, there's just all about, like, what was happening during At the time, the time. Grade, And, like, as a joke, like, as satire or parody, like, that quote yeah. in the beginning I said. It's just, like, a weird thing. But this one's at least a little more lighthearted, but still on the same lines. So, all right, give it to me. Rub-a-dub-dub. Um, the current version is Rub-a-dub-dub, Three Men in a Tub. And who do you think they be? The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, and all of them out to sea. So, wow, okay. Yeah, that's the full one. I only remember, like, Rub-a-Dub-Dub, Three Men in a Tub. And I remember it because I had a book that was also, like, Hey, diddle-diddle, the fork, and, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. So, this one starts dating back to the 14th century, making reference to maids in the tub and the tub is kind of code for a fairground attraction similar to the modern peep show so naked ladies in a tub at the fairground type of thing and it was a way to call out respectable people the butcher the baker the candlestick maker those are all the prominent people at the time um, for disrespectful actions aka ogling the naked lady <laughs> oh my god so the term rub-a-dub-dub developed an association of disapproval similar to, like, tsk-tsk-tsk. Like, yeah. Um, it could also stand in for, like, gossip or the actual, like, an innuendo. Mm. Um, obviously, rub-a-dub-dub. <laughs> Wink face. Well, that's why I thought it was, this one was going to be, like, dark, twisted towards, like children not oh my gosh ladies. no so that's God. why i was like oh my god i was like of course she picks this one and it's gonna probably be like the darkest one of them all no 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 thankfully not <laughs> that's um, why. okay this is much better than i anticipated so this is a lot more lighthearted than where my brain was <laughs> yes yes it, at, this rhyme has actually evolved to remove the maids from the rhyme and sub out um with three fools and then men so like the original version from the 14th century was hey rub-a-dub ho rub-a-dub three maids in a tub and who do you think they were the butcher the baker the candlestick maker and all of them gone to the fair it then evolved to rub-a-dub-dub three fools in a tub and who do you think they be the butcher the baker the candlestick maker turn them out knave all three and then changed to rub-a-dub-dub, three men in a tub. How do you think they got there? The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. They all jumped out of a rotten potato was enough to make a man stare. Don't quite get that one. No, but it probably applied to the times. That one was like in a VHS, I guess, from like 1991. It was just like a an evolved version somebody made. But okay. that, it, that one kind of added the men in the tub instead of right. three fools in the tub. Right. But I thought it was so interesting that we omitted it and it started out with three maids in a tub talking specifically about a peep show and now we're talking right. about like the men and calling out their disrespectful behavior of, like, ogling women, which I was like, I can kind of get behind. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that one is at least a little more light Lighthearted. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. It's not, um, you know, it's not eeny, meeny, miny, mo. <laughs> no, thankfully. 
Some things just need to rest. I think that that is what I've kind of come out of this after. And this is not even, we, you had so many other ones. You had oh like my Yankee God. Doodle. Yeah. You had Mary Mary Quite Contrary. I saw something like Lucy Lockett, which was the one about the prostitutes fighting. Yeah. Then there's the London Bridges Falling Down. There's Goosey Goosey Gander. Oh, the Mary Go Round, the Mary, uh, Mulberry Bush. Yep. Um, here we go around the Mulberry Bush. The Mulberry Bush is about um, a prison that used to have women print prisoners exercise around a mulberry bush apparently and i was like oh so like then they'd fall and fall into the mulberry bush i don't know i didn't read the whole details because i was trying not to get all the deets in case you did that one yeah no it's fine but yeah and then like obviously we know i think ring around the rosie is a pretty um popular one one that people know so yeah there's yeah. so many. Baba Black Sheep, that was another one. Yes, that was about taxes on wool. Um, so it's pretty oh, much about okay. the king, the church, and the farmer. So it started off um, a little bit differently. And it was about, it was the, let me see, I think I did take a note on that one. It was Baba Black Sheep, have you any wool? Yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full, one for my master. One for the dame and one for the little boy who lives down the lane. Yeah, I it do was know that originally Baba Black Sheep. Have you any wool? Yes, old mate. I have three bags full. Two for my master, one for my dame, and none for the little boy that cries in the lane. Oh, because it was a medieval wool tax imposed um, in the 13th century by King Edward the First, and a third went to the king, a third went to the church, and then the rest was left for the farmer. And it was none for the little boy down the lane because none was left for the little shepherd boy who kind of did all the work. <laughs> yeah, and he got no pay, essentially. Sounds like uh, modern day still. Yeah, I was, also, I was also found in my research that it was... Some people were alleging that it was related to the slave trade, mm. um, which there's no historical evidence to support it. Um, and it makes more sense for the tax on yeah, wool. The, almost like a satire to that. Yeah, there was yeah. no wool being collected around that time period right. um, by slaves. But either way, it was still just not like a good thing. But the but was that in reference to the cotton, though, instead of wool? There's no historical evidence to okay. support it, yeah. so I can't be sure. But yeah. people have alleged that. Like, it was more over reform debates when mm. people were like like more currently in schools we're like why are we teaching our kids these nursery rhymes like mm-hmm. as we probably should be um but that's what came up yeah uh, which i thought was really interesting though and i don't want to go off on a side tangent but to think that we're we should be probably limiting the amount of nursery rhymes that we're saying here to our children but somehow we're also limiting the books that just actually date back to history and actual things that happen. Yeah. <laughs> We're censoring that instead. Yeah, but I think, like, here's the thing that's also, like, a comparison is, like, we have political satire today, but what is it? It's memes. Think about that. Like, there's there's memes and then there's, like, lines and lyrics and specific songs that, like, bring out satire about political events that are happening and, like, it's... I think we're... We, I think as humans, we need that satire because otherwise it's too much to deal with. It is too sad and too fucked up for us to really, like, want to even try to learn about it or comprehend it in a way. Oh, absolutely. I mean, political cartoons have been for centuries. Yep. Every time everything bad happened, we had, like, you know, the town crier saying a riddle or something, a rhyme mm-hmm. to make fun, have that satire, the parody of what's actually happening, or you'd see that drawing in the newspaper. 
I just don't think that it should be used as lullabies for our children. Oh, no, I, I like, don't disagree. I remember doing Ring Around the Rosie, and we're all holding hands, hands in a and, circle, and yeah. I'm like, now that I look back, I'm like, oh, yeah, we're just pretending we have the plague, and we're all dying, like... <laughs> Yeah, because, like, wasn't it eventually, like, whenever you stopped, like, whoever didn't stop was, like, dropped out of the group, and then you keep going until there's yeah. only, like, two of you? Yeah, okay. And there was All other right. ones, like, in, like, UK has a lot of different other nursery rhymes, mm-hmm. but they had some that were, like, you know, the axe chopper, there was, you were yeah. around, you were holding arms, and then the axe chopper was gonna come get you, Yeah. and it was, like, related to something about dying, too, like... Why are we playing these kinds of games with our children? Well, now I'm wondering, Red Rover, Red Rover, send oh. whoever over. Like, what is that in reference to? Oh, my gosh. That makes me curious. And I'm super curious because I played that all the time on the playground. Red Rover, Red Rover, send, you know, Lindsay right over. Like, can gonna... you imagine? And then that person is supposed to run full force at you to try to break through. So, like, we will have to... I want to do an update next week on this one, so... Yeah, I was going to Google it after And do show. some research. So, uh, I guess tune back in for next week's episode, which are... You want to take us out and let us know what it is? So, next week is actually going to be our first dealer's choice, where one of us picks a topic that is my- a mystery to the other. So, Jocelyn is going to go first with that one. So, I have no idea. I'm coming fully unprepared just to have a conversation. So, I am absolutely looking forward to that with a maniacal little hand gesture. <laughs> and I think to take us out here before I sign us off, Let's just be mindful of what we're actually telling our kids when we go to bed at night. I don't even have any children, and I still am like, gotta be mindful of that. Yeah, like for future me. <laughs> like, we love the little, like, sing-songy rhymes, and they're fun to an extent, but when you actually know the meaning behind some of these, it can get pretty scary and honestly kind of offensive. Yeah. A lot of abs- offensive. Yeah, absolutely agreed. All right, so follow, rate, like, and subscribe. You can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at tabletalks.podcast. And we will check back with you next week. And don't be telling your children any nursery rhymes.